This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. to check the locks podcast as always i'm john connor i'm olivia cornu saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case for a special halloween edition with a even more special returning guest ladies and gentlemen please give a very warm check the locks welcome to jessica gomez jessica so good to see you thank you for being here we were talking about it before the show, but I have been so excited. I know Olivia has been excited as well. It's wonderful to see you. How are you doing? Hi, thank you guys for having me again. I love doing the Halloween episode. Feel very special. You are very special. You are <laughs> our, you are our guest. We love having our, you. It's going to be our annual tradition. I like that. Yeah. As long as you will have us. Of course. Yes. No, I love doing it. For me, my fourth year in a row getting to podcast with Jessica, which is, I mean, like, like I said, this is my Christmas. I really look <laughs> forward to this. I'm super, super excited for it. So thank you so much for being here. Olivia, I also want to check in with you as always, my wonderful co-host. How are you? How are you doing? How has your week been? My week has been a little different than usual, but everything is going really well, soundly where I'm at. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we're all being cryptic. It's been different. <laughs> things are strange this week. I've, I've been up to some things. <laughs> No, came home to I'm have in the cat scales. Came home to take just... care of my mom. She's fine. She's in the attic somewhere. Yeah, yeah. put her in the crawl space. Yeah. yeah, she's squatting in the attic. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm glad everything is going well. Listeners, I do apologize. I thought I was over this crazy voice thing and it is back. But the great news is Jessica is bringing a story for us this week and a special Halloween episode. This is going to come out the Monday before Halloween. I have been super in the spirit. I was also thinking about it as well. Last year when we recorded, I was in a completely manic phase. I had shaved all my hair off randomly because I was super stressed out. So it's uh, it's nice to be back and feel a little calmer. But I am super excited about the story that you're bringing 
And I just, I can't wait to dive into it. But you are someone who's like me, who really loves Halloween, loves the the horror films and you know, your articles are amazing. How have you been gearing up for the spirit? Are you feeling it this year like you normally do? I don't think it's possible to do more Halloween things than I do with my son. We go to Cedar Point Halloweekends. We, I run his trunk or treat at his school. We go to every Halloween thing you can think of where every day is super busy. And then, you know, the big event Halloween obviously is the best day, but yeah, it's a whole, the entire month of October is just all Halloween all the time. And it's his favorite holiday. So it's fun. I was just having this conversation with my mom yesterday about how kids go to so many different Halloween things. Like when we were kids, it was like, you dressed up on Halloween and that was it. At least for me, it was like it was costume one night and it was usually on a school night. So you had to be yeah. bed early. And now kids have trunk or treats and this fall festival mm-hmm. and this and that. And I'm like, man, what a time to be a kid in a way, you know? Yeah. And I kind of like when he was little, I kind of went out of my way to look for things for him to do because I just noticed that he loves Halloween so much. And then obviously I love it. So I would look for things to do. And then as he's gotten older, you know, now he's in elementary school. So now they have their trunk or tree. So that's an extra thing. And then they have like their class Halloween party and they have a parade and it's like, (laughs) it's nonstop. It's a lot. Like somebody was talking on social media, how they were having their kid be something different for every, every event. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. that's too much. Trish would have said one costume, figure it out, change your makeup. I agree. That's what I was going to say. I feel like when, you know, because Jessica and I, we've known each other for like 20 years. So I feel like when we were in middle school, it was like you had to dress up at school and then you did like your trick or treating. And that was like the thing. Yeah. And now it's, you know, to just today I took Millie to, I dropped her off at uh, grandma's house because she was going to a trunk or treat. We had a Halloween party last weekend. We have another one on Saturday. And then, so it's just, you know, you're running, 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 but I'm with you. I'm like, no, you've got one costume. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like one not, thing that I'm like, once I have this on my list checked off, I am not doing this again. So yeah, no, thank you. Taylor Swift. We're not doing a bunch of costumes. <laughs> right. A new era for every party. Right. No, no, thank you. Like you're D Snyder this year. That's who you're going to be. So <laughs> I'm not going to take it. If you want to ask yeah. for another costume, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I cannot wait. It is really cool. And I don't know if you feel the same way, like, you know, with your son, but for me, it's, it's all, it's always been my favorite holiday. So to now have a kid who is like, oh, I like it too. And she, she's getting that age where she likes to be scared. Like we watched Frankenweenie this year, Okay, which, you know, it's, if you watch the Tim Burton cartoon, it's still like a, it's a creepy movie. I mean, It's, it's essentially Frankenstein and you could see where it was like, getting to her a little bit, but she, she was like, no, I want to finish it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really cool to see her kind of finding the interest and us getting to bond over that. Yeah, definitely. She's got Barbies with mom and stuff like that. But me and her, it's like, you want to watch something spooky? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, She knows who to go to. (laughs) That's what I do with my stepdad. My mom does not do scary, but I feel like I always got not force. It was just like, Hey, come watch a movie with me. And we would always watch a scary movie. And I'm like, I don't even really like scary movies, (laughs) but like my mom will never watch them. So I feel like I was the only one left at home. So I had no choice. (laughs) So I've seen them all. Maybe your exposure makes you not as scared though. Do you get super scared in horror movies? No, I don't really like the ones that it can really happen to me. 
Like, oh, okay. Like if it can't, if it's really kind of far fetched, I'm like, yeah, oh, this is fine. But if it can actually happen to me, like Scream actually kind of scared me. Okay. Which is so stupid. When, but I was probably, I was young then. I yeah, like, we were but, young when that came out. Yeah. Yeah, like but, 11 or 12. Yeah. yeah, there's just this man. And like I, my nephews are, they think it's hilarious. I'm actually kind of afraid of Scooby-Doo because the <laughs> townspeople that you know dress up and like scare the town. <laughs> and that's a cartoon that we kids are supposed to watch. She's going, also not kidding at all. Like she's got like a going deep fear. on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with these townspeople? <laughs> I mean, old man like, Smithers. Old man, yeah, is dressing up trying to scare me. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> Scooby's cute, but not for me. Yeah, we were just watching. Literally, I was sitting down before we recorded eating dinner with my wife, and we were watching the first Scream. And then tomorrow, we're going to an outdoor movie night. We're going uh, in Nashville to see Halloween on like the big screen outdoors. Because, you know, I've seen the 78 version on DVD and TV, but I've never like seen it on a like a screen. And so like if you were to go through like a drive in in like 1970. Yeah, yeah that's I'm, fun. I'm super cool. pumped. And they do food trucks and beer carts and all that. So it's like a 21 and up thing. But OK, next Halloween, we'll all get together and celebrate oh, Halloween dude. and have an in-person reunion. That would be awesome. <laughs> We'll just have Jessica up uplift her child in the middle of his favorite <laughs> holiday season. Come no, on. Us, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll take him. I'll give him all the candy. I'll yeah. get full size candy bars. What what does he want? What does he want? I also like the idea that we've been doing this podcast for almost two years now, and it would take Jessica coming to Nashville to finally get you to come here. <laughs> Don't take it personal. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, with that being said, you know, again, I am super excited to be here, super excited to jump into this. Jessica, if you are ready, I don't know if you want to kind of fill us in a little bit about what we're going to be talking about this week, if we want to jump into it. But again, super happy to have you. And I mean, if last year was any indicator of this year, I'm on pins and needles. I'm I'm super excited to get into it. Yeah. So last year we did pray for the pastor. This one is a very different story, but still... Still a lot of uh, interesting elements, so I'm excited to hear your guys' uh, feedback on what you think about this. Yeah, Pray for the Pastor was definitely a heavy hitter in the catalog so far, uh, and I remember just a lot of people were really into the episode, I mean, I mean, myself included. So, like I said, I am super excited. I don't know if you just want to take it away, but I'm ready to jump into this. I've got my Halloween energy ready to go, so, I mean, feel free to take it away whenever you're ready. Can we just also mention real quick that you're dressed like Freddy Krueger? <laughs> yeah, sure. Intentional or not intentional? No, I just, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I have a weird body shape. I like sweaters <laughs> that are comfortable. And John is literally in a maroon and white striped <laughs> sweater. Listen. He didn't know that that's why he was picking it, but that's why he was picking it. Listen, I had a hard day of work in the boiler room. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was hot down there, so naturally wear a sweater. But Okay, now we'll really let Jessica take it away. Okay, all right. Well, I have a question um, for Olivia. Do you have Devil's Night, or is that a Michigan thing? Devil's Night? Yeah. Oh, good I don't question. think so. Yeah, it's a good question. Okay. Because Can you this... give me an example of what Devil's Night is, and maybe we have something comparable? Devil's Night is October 30th. It's the day before Halloween. And that's when all the devilish things happen. And I thought it was a 
local, like a regional thing. And yeah, I guess it must be. But yeah, everybody yeah. here, they tried to rename it Angel's Night, but it's like, it'll always be Devil's Night. But yeah, do you um, remember like in Michigan, Devil's Night when like houses would burn down in the city? Yes. Like, <laughs> it was like, oh, Devil's Night. There's going to be like four house fires. Yes. And then they were like, let's call it Angel's Night. And that's why they changed the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I think there's probably some people out there doing mischievous devilish acts but no there's nothing official <laughs> okay so while this takes place it starts on devil's night so it's the day before halloween october 30th so 55 year old kathleen mcgehy was preparing jambalaya in her manteca california home for a victim advocacy potluck dinner uh, that morning she had attended church with her son justin she later spoke with um, her other son colin about 4 p.m as she was cooking Her daughter, Caitlin, who was supposed to be picked up by Kathleen after a church retreat, called her mother around 5 p.m. Her mother missed the call, so she left a message on the machine. Caitlin then received a call from her brother, Dawson, this is another brother, where he asked her um, just how she was doing and was just calling to chat. He informed Caitlin that the home phone and Kathleen's cell phone were having problems, and though they both lived with their mother, he was not home while he was calling her. Their father, Thomas McGehee, was away in China on business. Caitlin tried calling Kathleen several more times before her brother called her again and offered to pick her up himself. So just to make sure I'm understanding, mom is at home. She's cooking advocacy group, but like the daughters can't get a hold of her. And then the son is like, hey, just problems with like the home phone and the cell phone, like just weird things going on. Yeah. So that's what I thought was so weird that. He was like, yeah, the home phone and the cell phone are having a problem. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, that to me would be like, oh, okay, like weird, you know, just kind of set it off on your radar. So Dawson picked Caitlin up around 6 p.m. and said before driving her home, he needed to pick up his medicine, which was marijuana. And she thought that he was just going to go somewhere near their house to pick it up. But he drove all the way to Sacramento, California, to buy it, which is um, over an hour away from their house. So on the drive, she described Dawson as being in a really good mood and much chattier than usual. He kept bringing up how their mom was on a diet and it was making her very tired. On the drive, Caitlin mentioned that her lips were trapped. So he offered to stop at a convenience store to buy some. So they stopped and she went inside and purchased uh, the chapstick and then she used the restroom and then she returned to the car, but Dawson wasn't there. So she went back inside and she found him pacing the aisles. They got back in the car and continued their drive. Um, They stopped for food and ate in the car. And then Caitlin said it seemed like Dawson was lost as they drove around Sacramento for about an hour before arriving at his destination, which was only a minute or two drive from their original stop at the convenience store. So very strange there. And then on his way, on his walk back to the car, after he supposedly bought the marijuana, he threw up. Yeah, that's really strange. Like, I mean, now that I, I, maybe I know somebody who would have driven an hour to buy some weed at one point in their life. Maybe. (laughs) But the like, I always, the person that I knew always knew where to go to get their medicine. Right. So it's that we're driving around. I don't know where to go. And then, um, Oh, it's right here two seconds away from like where I just was. It's it definitely sounds like there's something strange going on with him. Right. And then just when you couple that with the fact that he was um being much chattier than usual was weird because she said that um he was not like an overly friendly person and he was 
usually not the kind of person who would offer to even stop to get a chapstick, but he offered. So he was just being kind of overly nice and then simultaneously killing as much time as possible. It's almost like he's either taking something else or he's like overly anxious or nervous about whatever he's about to do. Like I can't decide if he does other drugs or other medicine or if he's just like an anxious person and now he's acting different than he would out of character. Right. Yeah. I I was picking that up too, like the killing time where it's like, you know, because usually if you're going to pick up some weed, like, you know where you're going. You know what I mean? So just to be like, oh, I forgot. I got to drive around for an hour. doesn't seem like, yeah, like you're just trying to, you know, knock some minutes off the clock. So by the time they got back home, it was around 11 p.m. and Kathleen's bedroom door was closed. Dawson said she must be sleeping and not to disturb her. Throughout the night, Caitlin would get up to like use the bathroom and stuff and she would see Dawson pacing in the hallway. Um, But she went to sleep. And when she got up the following morning, Dawson said that their mother had gotten up early, like at five or six a.m. and said she hadn't slept well and not to disturb her so she could rest. When Dawson went outside for a few minutes, Caitlin knocked on her mom's door and didn't receive a response. She went outside the house to try to look in her mom's window, but the shutters were closed. She dismissed the bad feeling she had and went on with her day. Dawson asked her to come with him to Target, so she obliged. He again had her driving places further than necessary, and after she returned after a few errands at around 5.30 p.m., she tried knocking on the door again and calling for her mom, but still no response. And then she called her uh, one of her other brothers, who then told her to call the police. So just to stop there, so interesting that she clearly knew something was wrong but then still left and went with her brother to the store without an explanation of what was going on with her mom. Like it seemed like her mom was a very like doting person and a very, um, you know, she's cooking food for a victim advocacy dinner. Like she's obviously, you know, it seems like a really kind person. And so it seems unlikely to me that she would go so long without having any interaction with her because they live together. Yeah, it's strange because I think about living in our house, right? Like we have a three bedroom, you know what I mean? It would be very weird if for like a whole day I didn't see my wife. Like we're home together, but like you're it's just, it's, it's very strange. And like the idea that he's always got some excuse, you know, I think when you talk about like the gut feeling, the only thing that I can think is like, it seems like something weird is going on here, but also like, this is my brother. And like, I don't want, right. you wouldn't let your brain maybe think the worst thing that you're thinking could possibly be true. You know what I mean? Right. About your brother and your mom, like the brother's acting weird, but you would never in a million years think that that's who's going. I'm assuming I'm, I'm just speculating that he's going after mom. Speaking to the point of that, it's her brother. I don't know that this type of behavior was totally out of character for him because he did have some like mental health struggles. And so I just wonder if, maybe a lot of the pacing and stuff. Maybe he just did that sometimes. And so she just kind of thought, okay, it's kind of weird. I haven't heard from my mom. I don't know why he's acting weird, but you know, as you said, you're not, your brain won't let yourself go there sometimes. And so you kind of just think, okay, you know, just something weird. I'll just talk to her later. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you also don't think that this can happen to you or like something like that would happen to you or your family. So just be like, my brother's weird. I'm leaving with my other brother. Yeah. Mom's fine. I'm sure she'll be fine. I'll see her when I get back. On Halloween at approximately 6.13 p.m., Manteca police arrived to conduct a welfare check on Kathleen. 
They ended up having to knock down the bedroom door because it was locked. And unfortunately, they unveiled a gruesome scene. Kathleen had been stabbed 10 times in the neck, chest, and abdomen with a kitchen knife. There were also signs of strangulation. She had several defensive wounds and had keys in her hand like she was trying to leave. And there was no sign of forced entry to the home. This is what John likes to call overkill. Yeah. Yeah, many, many of the stab wounds would have been fatal. Yeah, it's like going from stabbing or did they get strangled first? You know, you just never know. And then it just like the abuse just keeps going. It was so shocking to me that the kids were sleeping in the home and she was there the whole time, just dead behind a locked door that someone had done this to her and that they just, you know, Caitlin had no idea. She just thought, oh, she's resting. And, you know, she had been knocking on the door and her mom is right there dead. And so it was really chilling to think about. You know, I just watched a 2020 episode, I think it was. Um, and I can't remember the name of the case, but it was basically like um, someone had died in a very small house and the person was asleep on the couch and they were trying to figure out how could those, how could everybody be home and not know that someone was like brutally murdered and drug out of their house. And so then the police and like investigators and stuff like sat on the couch. The reporter went into the bedroom where the person was getting killed and screamed as loud as they could. And you honestly couldn't hear it. And she was like, I mean, I, I see it now. That is crazy. Like the house is small. It was just on, but it was. Kind of, it reminds me of that case. Well, and I would say too, like, where do you sleep the hardest? You know what I mean? Like, that's always something. When if I'm staying the night someplace else, or I'm sleeping away from home, I don't sleep that well. But if I'm at home, like in my bed, I'm I'm out. Like I'm dead to the world. So you know, and also where I grew up in in Michigan, I you know I grew up on Joy and Haggerty. There's train tracks. So right behind my house, I grew up with trains ripping through all hours. So it's like, I can sleep through some stuff, but you know, you think where was the first stab, right? Is it in the throat? Cause you know, you, you catch one to the throat. You're not making a whole lot of noise anyway, you know? So it's just, well, I'll tell you that it was determined that sometime between Kathleen's call with her other son, Colin at 4 PM and Caitlin's attempt to reach her at 5 PM, they, determined that that was when Kathleen McGee was killed. So when Dawson talked to Caitlin on the phone and said, I will pick you up, their mom was already dead. There's problems with the cell phones. I'll come get you. Yeah. So, yeah. So he, that whole time where he was super chatty and he was having her drive around, it was basically to keep her out of the house so that she. And kind of give him an Oh, just like an alibi. Yeah. yeah, an alibi. Yeah, I think that too is like, yeah, I couldn't have done it because I was out all day with my sister and probably didn't mind being seen in public places. Mm-hmm. And stopping at the gas station. Yep. There's food and, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. let's get you some chapstick. Right. Yeah, that's nuts. Because of his behavior, he became the prime suspect. And um, at 1.30 a.m. on November 1st, um, 26-year-old Dawson McGehee was arrested. And he was wearing a black leather jacket that DNA confirmed was stained with his mother's blood. So he was wearing the same jacket still when he was arrested that he had worn when he killed her. Detectives brought him in and they had him waiting in an interrogation room by himself. And he was acting normal because he was probably unaware of cameras in the room. 
But as soon as detectives came in, he began shaking and stuttering and acting like he couldn't understand some of the questions the detectives were asking him. This was consistent with reports that Kathleen, um, who had been the primary caretaker for her brother who suffered from Parkinson's, um, after her brother passed away, Dawson assumed some Parkinson's symptoms that would come and go in order to get more attention from her. So he would basically come and go with the symptoms when he wanted her to pay attention. And so he kind of was using this tactic it seems um, as he's fine until someone is watching him. And then all of a sudden he's having all of these problems. Or like trying to garner sympathy. I don't That's- know what the aim was with that. I, I don't know if he was already trying to come up with an insanity defense that early. It seems really preliminary to be doing that, but I don't know another reason unless he really did want sympathy or he thought maybe they would let him go because he could not, you know, understand what they were asking right. him. I don't really know what the, what the, yeah, like, Oh, I, I couldn't have done it. I have these weird Parkinson's. Yeah, I'm Parkinsonian. You know? Like I can't, I'm slow to move. I'm shaky. I, yeah. you know, is it really called Parkinsonian? Parkinsonian. I mean, it's, it's Parkinson's disease, but we say Parkinsonian. Oh, okay. I, that, I mean, that's just interesting. I mean, I've never heard it said that way. Parkinson. It sounds like you're like from like, you know, where, where'd you move from? Oh, you know, I'm originally from Parkinsonia. You know what I mean? Parkinsonism is a term used to describe the collection of signs and movement symptoms associated with several conditions of Parkinson's disease. I have never heard that before. Slowness, stiffness, and resting tremor. It's only because I'm a neuro nerd. Okay, Google, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think it's a... Well, then I have to like second guess myself. Because you know me, I make up shit all the time. No, but no, I'm like I w- Parkinsonism. Like fucking, yeah. I wasn't disagreeing. I've just them. never heard like I've I've heard like a person's with or a person with Parkinson's disease or something like that. It's I just, Parkinson's I, disease. You just no gotcha. other lay person would say that word. Okay, I'm just gotcha. a nerdologist. Someone's <laughs> a nurse. Just, Someone does brains and spines for a living. <laughs> Mr. Supine. Sorry, yeah, right. I don't know what that yeah. See? Do you know what supine means? Jessica? Oh yeah, ask Jessica. Supine? I'm sure she no, I don't. Yeah, like like you're supine. You're prone, you're supine. You're prone? Prone, you're laying on. Yeah, prone, you're laying on your belly, supine. You're oh, like back. the position that you're laying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She used it in a case. She was like, the body was on its back, supine. supine. And I was like, that is not a damn <laughs> He's word. like, that, he stopped me. He's like, that was not, what is that? That's not a thing, I was Olivia. Like, I'm like, typo? You meant to type uh, something else. I'm and like, then all the listeners in the Facebook group were like, actually, <laughs> you're actually, an idiot. it's supine. That's funny. Anyway, I digress. We'll get, get back to the story. Back to his Parkinsonianism. So prosecutors charged Dawson McGehee with, with um, premeditated murder. Dawson first appeared before a judge on November 3rd, fidgety, and the press said he appeared somewhat delusional. He was evaluated by two doctors. One determined he did not have a psychological disorder, but instead marijuana dependence and institutional remission, anxiety, and depression. A second doctor diagnosed Dawson with schizophrenia. So two very different um, outlooks here. During his interview um, with the second doctor, he complained a lot about physical discomfort and said it felt like there was fire on his skin and blades under his fingernails. He had seen a psychiatrist in 2010 complaining of anxiety and hallucinations, and he was diagnosed with some sort of psychotic disorder and prescribed perfenazine, an antipsychotic. 
in Dawson's journal, he recalled visions in which Jesus and the Holy Spirit visited him in different forms. And then later he described himself as being haunted by demons. Two of Dawson's former friends also testified that they had heard him talk about demonic hallucinations. So to me, this kind of starts to get into a gray area because he did express being haunted by demons before this happened, a year before this happened. So this wasn't like all of a sudden he has, you know, a mental health issue. He's had these issues. I mean, it sounds like he has schizophrenia, not just marijuana, depression and anxiety. Yeah. And I obviously I'm not a medical professional, but um, that's what I thought, too. I thought it does really sound like he does have schizophrenia. Now, does schizophrenia make you commit murder and then act like you didn't and try and keep your sister out of the house after? I don't think so. I don't know about all that. Yeah. But I think to say they definitely couldn't call it premeditated if he truly was having a mental break. But I don't think with all how purposeful he was going out of his way to be nice to his sister, being out of the house like that's not that sounds premeditated to me. But the deed was already done at that point. Right. Well, you know, what it reminds me of and I'm forgetting the, the kid's name off the top of my head. But we did that case about the teenage kid who killed his parents and had a house party. Oh, right. And yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of his argument was similar. It was like, he had done like so many drugs and, you know, had this like crazy dependency, but it's like, just like you said, you still premeditated the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, it's, it's definitely very clear regardless of like the certain specifics, there's some serious mental health issues happening with Dawson. But for me, it's hard because it seems like you're, you know, faking these Parkinson symptoms. So like, what else could you be embellishing or exaggerating or, you know, kind of playing into? I don't know. This is weird. Yeah, that's such a, you know, it is something to think about because Obviously, I mean, you could really make a case that anyone who does any of these things has mental health issues, but this was something that he sought help for um, before any of this happened. And, you know, obviously it was not enough. So I don't know. I, it's hard to make a judgment call because he clearly had some sort of disorder. But again, that does not make you commit the crime And then obviously you understand what you've done is not right. So then you try and make it so that no one can figure out that it's you. So there is some sort of uh, cover up going on. It's not obviously he's lucid enough to think to do that. Yeah, he's making very conscious decisions. Right. And then trying to say, oh, well, I have this subconscious with my schizophrenia. But it's like, no. Like we said earlier, like that shouldn't cause you to do very purposeful, conscious things to deter your family away from your mother's murdered body. Yeah. And even if it's a moment of clarity, I mean, we're talking like that's an hour drive away from your hometown to drive around for another. I mean, that's a hell of a moment of clarity Mm -hmm. to be like, what have I done? You know, trying to grapple with it. And like the fact that according to his sister, like he's in a chipper mood, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, I'll do, you know, it's almost like. He's trying to be like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. She's, yeah. she's going to say I was totally fine. Couldn't have done it. And I also um, I find it 
even more disturbing that when he called Caitlin right after she tried to reach her mom, he must have just killed her. Like it must have been very recent. And then he has a normal conversation with her on the phone. So it's not like he calls her screaming, crying, saying, oh my God, I don't know what I did. Like this, he didn't even have time to like come up with a story or anything. You would think that his emotions would have taken over or something since he had just done this, you know, horrible thing that he's later going to say, oh, I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. That just, it seems like, seems like our boy is guilty right now. So Dawson was allegedly told by a therapist at some point to face his fears and his anxieties by exposing himself to scary movies and costumes. His brother Colin testified that in the year prior to the murder, Dawson would sometimes walk around the house in the dark wearing a Halloween-style mask and coveralls. The previous April, Colin and Dawson went to a horror movie together, and while they began the movie sitting next to each other, Dawson at some point got up, and when he didn't come back for a while, Colin went to look for him, and he spotted him sitting alone in a different row wearing a Halloween mask. I would have left that movie theater like real quick. I am the biggest chicken when it comes to like haunted houses or like I can walk past people with masks on and it's not a big deal. But when I was a kid and I would go to these haunted houses, I literally I had a friend's mom who lived down the street, the one that used to take me that we talked about trick or treating. And we would go up to an hour away, go to these haunted houses. And I would literally be like under her sweater, like just get me out of here. Just get me out of here. Like, don't touch me. But they come with you. I like with chainsaws and I'm like a little 10 year old, 12 year old kid. Uh uh-uh. I don't do haunted houses. And it's not because like, I, I just don't want anybody in my face. I value my personal, my bubble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I like horror movies. Cause it's like, it's on the screen. No one's like jumping out at me. But like, I also read a story like a year or two ago about, one of the actors in there like thought they found a prop knife and they stabbed some like 12 year old kid through the foot with a rusty knife. Oh my God. Like, you know, on accident, but it's like, you know, it's not the, it's not Academy award winning SAG, you know, screen right. actor kill the actors. Weren't yeah. Being the- right. Well, you know, I talk about the, my, my fear of the, the drainage ditch with Pennywise growing up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is the same person. I have to walk to their house. So today I actually took my dog on a walk and I did not bring my phone. And I walked past that same little gutter in the road. And I was like, man, I wish I had my phone to send it to John so I could just snap a picture. <laughs> like, this is it. This is the drain. Yeah. What if you took the picture and there's just two red glowing eyes? Oh. In it? <laughs> I mean, I used to just run past there. I'm telling you, I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken. I'm getting yeah. away from my old age. This, probably. I feel like, is creepier than seeing a stranger doing this because you Mm -hmm. came to the movie together with your brother. Yeah. And then he's gone for a while. So much, so long that you look for him and there he is sitting by himself with a mask on. Like that would freak me out. Like, where was the mask? Did he carry a backpack? (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Be like, Hey bro, I'm going to be sitting in the back with my mask on just to kind of scare some people. Okay, cool. No big deal. But like just to nonchalantly disappear. Nope. And when you say like Halloween style mask, are we talking like Halloween yeah. Michael Myers? Or are we talking just like Halloween, like a Halloween, like a where, like, where I type? don't know because I was trying to look for that and I couldn't find 
you know, if that's, if he was talking about Michael Myers specifically, or if he was just saying like a Halloween costume, I don't know with the, with the coveralls, I would think it is a Michael Myers mask. That's what I was thinking. Um, that would be my guess. So that's really creepy. John, where's your, where's your Freddy Krueger mask? Yeah. I don't have one. Okay. (laughs) I already look like a burn victim. Leave me alone. No, uh, for me, it's the idea of like, I go to the, my, like I show up at the movie with my brother who's in cargo shorts and a t-shirt. And then it's like, where did you, where, where'd you take the coveralls from? Like, where is all this stuff? I don't know. It's strange, but it's also really weird too. I feel like before, and I think this even kind of ties into scream, right? Where it's like, there's that whole line, like movies don't create psychos, but they make psychos more creative. Mm-hmm, you know I mean? mm-hmm. But like, before I think there was really an argument where it was like, you know, movies don't make people do things or video games don't make people do things. But as like the culture is kind of growing and we're like experiencing mass shootings from kids who are playing call of duty for like, you know, 60 hours a week. And yeah, I don't know. It's weird to think that like, if you're already predisposed, right. How something like that could be an accelerant, you know? Yeah. I, that's a very interesting point because obviously I'm on the, side of creative liberty and i think people should watch and make whatever they want you know within legal bounds but i also i i do wonder that you know maybe if he didn't have schizophrenia or another mental health issue maybe he could see a scary movie and it would you know he'd go on about his day but maybe someone like him it was some kind of a trigger for him at some point or you know, made him feel a type of aggression. You know, I don't think that's something we can ever know, but it is something to think about because, you know, horror movies can be hard on anyone. And for someone who has such a severe disease as schizophrenia and they can't literally can't make sense sometimes of, you know, sorting through what's real and what's not, you know, I can see that as a problem. Yeah. A million percent. And like, I think the other thing too is, if you think about it, there are people every year that get dressed up as Michael Myers, that get dressed up as Ghostface or Freddy Krueger, because these characters and these films have spoke to them in a way that can, like they connect to in in some kind of way, right? Obviously not in the same way that it did for Dawson, but it's like, okay, if if people can find like love for these characters in that way, like it is very possible, I think, for someone to relate just as much to the actual dark that that character portrays. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's just weird, but I I mean, you know, I'm with you where it's like, make the movies, watch the movies you want to watch. But if there's not, if you're somebody with mental health issues and there's not somebody guiding you being like, maybe this isn't a great idea. It's just interesting to see how, you know, how that coin flip can land. And I could not get a confirmation on this, but there was a local report that indicated that there was a mask found that allegedly had his mom's blood on it. So if he did wear a mask, he kind of was like reenacting Halloween, right? Because he goes in, he's in his own house. He kills a family member with a knife. Like that's very similar I wonder if he almost had like multiple personalities. It's so hard to say that because he was so intentional, but then it makes you think, well, maybe he just thought at that moment he was this person. I don't know. Trying to find the good in this whole situation. And I just don't think there's any. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's very complicated. I don't think it's none of it is 
you know, black and white. There's a lot of gray area in this case where obviously he had some problems, but again, you know, what did he know and when did he know it? You know? So it is very interesting to think that like the idea that he would be trying to recreate, because I mean, that's one of the most, and I know, you know, we've talked about these movies ad nauseum before, but it is one of those like iconic shots in any horror film. I mean, in film in general with that big, like tracking like pan shot where it's all that point of view and, and you know, the, the whole Michael killing Judith Myers through the eyes of the killer. And then thinking about somebody, you know, with mental illness, who's like, yeah, I'm going to relive that, you know, and what that must be like walking down the hallway, you know, and like, right opening the door and it's the same like Dawson what do you you know what I mean like and according to the family he had been becoming more frustrated with her um I don't know she was getting really involved in her church and the abuse advocacy group so she I think she was starting to stand up for herself a little bit more with him um, because I think he did not treat her very well and also she had other interests and she had other things to do so that's another element that it's like, well, did you really know what you were doing then because you were mad or was this really out of nowhere? So yeah, a lot, a lot of things to consider. So the defense used his schizophrenia diagnosis to argue that he thought he was killing a demon and not his mother and that this negated the malice and premeditation required for a first degree murder charge. The prosecution argued that Dawson killed his mother with malice and with premeditation and deliberation because he deliberately continued to conceal his mother's murder from his sister. Um, He ultimately was found guilty on second degree murder charges, which is malicious intent, but no premeditation. And he was sentenced to 16 years to life in prison. A sanity phase found him to be sane by a a superior court jury. With him getting to um, 16 to life, with them finding out that he was technically sane during this time, did the sentencing change or did he, yeah, like where is he now? He's in prison, but the the sentence um, was handed down after the sanity phase. Okay. So I feel like if he gets out in 16 years... Yeah. He's not going to be rehabilitated, even if he has mental illness. No, he's, I would consider him a dangerous person. Yes. So maybe they'll just go up for parole, deny, you know, that, that way. And then he ends up in life, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's just sad because it's like, he's obviously not going to get mental help like he, in the way that he should when he's in prison. But at the same time, you can't just let him go about his business. Like he clearly... You know, he killed his own mom, um, who, by all accounts, was, you know, from what I can tell, was a very good person. So, yeah, I do think it's like a safety issue, while at the same time, I wish that there was another way that he could somehow be rehabilitated. Yeah, and it's like, it's also one of those things where it's like, I killed a demon, but I killed a demon, so I got to get in the car and not let my sister know I killed a demon. Right. And you know, and like one of my favorite movies of all time is this movie SLC Punk with Matthew. Oh, Lillard. I love that movie. That's like it's, one of Joy's favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite movies. I've I, I could watch it a million times. But the Devin Sawa character, right? He takes mm-hmm. too much acid, and he's like, "My mom's a devil." You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's it's literally like he is taking the defense from things that he may have seen in movies. You know, and that's where just like there's too much 
premeditation. There's too much hiding. There's too much trying to like keep it from people. Uh, somebody that, you know, I love very much that I, you know, live with, um, suffers, has suffered from bipolar disorder my entire life. And it is very clear when there's an episode going on versus when there is not. Yeah. And when that person is at a super high high and a super low low. Um, and there's not like, I'm not saying that they're exact, that they're exactly the same. We're trying to draw a, like a, a parallel correlation, but like I say that to say with mental illness, so when you're going through something like that, like it's, it's very, you're not coming down to just be like, okay, well let me put a bow on everything and make sure things are good in the, right. mi- in the middle of some kind of manic episode, you know? Yeah. And I, I do believe that he probably does have schizophrenia, but I also think that this, I don't believe that he thought she was a demon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the Halloween mask thing is true. Um, but if it is, I certainly don't think he would go put on a mask to go fight off a demon. So I don't know. I just feel like it's hard to like, none of this is like linear. <laughs> like it's just, it's all over the place because yeah, he did have something going on and he did seek help for it. And he does, he clearly did suffer from hallucinations. Um, You know, his friends, like one of his friends said he showed up at his house in the middle of the night with his pajamas on. And he looked super scared like he was running from a demon. Like these were real things that he was experiencing. Um, So I just think what probably happened was the defense read through his journals and was like, Oh, you thought she was a demon, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Mm. there was some sort of whatever their tactic was like the best. I'm sure the best defense for him was that he just didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy, that's an easy out. You know, he has this mental illness. He's had issues. He's had people say, we've seen him do this. And then now it's like, okay, well, let's just blame it on that because right. it's, it's believable. But the jury was obviously smarter than that. So his family was really hard on him um, at the end of the trial. They, um, I think most of the family members spoke. It's just, it's sad because uh, growing up, he was an athlete. Um, I think he was a football player, which it was actually kind of interesting. I'll bring that up in a little bit, but, um, and he seemed, you know, by all accounts, like quote unquote normal. And then like a few years before this happened, he started, you know, having bouts of depression and he was not really like that nice to people. And he just, he had like a personality change. So, and it's not even like no one tried to help him you know, either, you know, it's just a sad situation all the way yeah. around because it's like, yeah. There was an attempt made and it just it just was unsuccessful. So um, his dad, Thomas McGahee, was quoted as saying all she ever did was give and he would only and always take, take and manipulate, take and deceive, take and subvert, take and lie, take and fake, take and take. He was a predator. His mother was his prey. So that's pretty harsh coming from your dad. That's some strong words coming from your dad. Yeah. That's not what you want on a birthday card. No, <laughs> no not exactly. <laughs> that means your family. I mean, dad's done. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Kathleen's oldest son, Justin, um, wrote three songs, Liar, Liar, Come As You Aren't, and Coma of the Heart about Dawson and read the lyrics in court. Jeez. 
So are those lyrics on the internet? I, I, you know what? I didn't look. (laughs) Maybe. But I I was like, what? Like, I I think it got pretty colorful in in the courtroom. That sounds like a hell of an EP. If we find them, we'll put them (laughs) in the show notes. Yeah. That was, you know, that was that with the trial. But then there was a separate drama that was sort of tied in. So in 2017, two forensic pathologists accused the Joaquin County Sheriff Steve Moore, who was also the coroner, which I'm like, what? The sheriff is the coroner? Like, really weird. Small town. Yeah. So the two of these forensic pathologists accused him of preventing them access to crime scenes and alleged tampering with crime scenes and suspicious deaths and high-profile homicides. In 2013, former District Attorney Sherry Adams wrote an open letter alleging that Sheriff Steve Moore would not allow um, Dr. Bennett Omalu, who is a high-profile pathologist himself, he was the doctor who basically brought to light the discovery of CTE in football players Mm. and the movie concussion was based on his findings. So he was supposed to be um, sent to the scene of um, Kathleen McGehee, but um, the sheriff's office refused to send him and never told him about the request, according to this open letter by the um, former district attorney. So the next day, um, Dr. Omalu performed an autopsy on McGehee in the morgue, but because of the delay in the refrigeration of her body, the district attorney Adams said Dr. Omalu's ability to perform forensic pathological analysis to ascertain the time of death was significantly impaired. Because of this, the defense was able to argue that the victim was alive on October 30th and that someone else other than her son could have killed her. So there was, basically she was saying, This could have messed up the case. Um, She said there were members of the jury that entertained this theory as a reasonable possibility based on the evidence. Thankfully, the jury in this case was able to render a verdict of guilt. However, the date and time of death was a real source of debate during the five days of jury deliberations. So that's a long deliberation. But let's go back to the evidence of the leather jacket with his mother's blood on it. Right. And the Halloween mask that potentially had his mother's blood on it. Like he was at the crime scene when his mom was bleeding. Right. So is the argument that because he couldn't come in and do a proper investigation, they couldn't actually determine the like the, the closest like estimated time of death. And so they could argue that at the time that he was with his sister, the mom may have still been alive. Is that the. Yes. So that's okay. what this district attorney was saying was, um, they, uh, the lead investigator asked for Dr. Omalu to come. The sheriff's office did not send him. So they wanted him at the crime scene. He did not go to the crime scene. So he performed the autopsy, but because it was already another day had gone by, she was already in the refrigerator. The time of death was not, you know, as much of a lock as they would have liked, I think. Gotcha. So I think that basically she was saying that by not sending him, he jeopardized, he jeopardized the entire investigation and could have let a guilty person go free because of his own judgments. Yeah. Cause that could have been like, if he would have went and was like, this is definitely the time of death. It would have kind of sealed the timeline, locked everything into place. But it's just that big question mark of, you know, well, maybe, you know, which is. She could have been alive. She could have been partially strangled to death, partially stabbed and didn't die for a couple hours. That's why he, maybe that's why he was gone for two, you know, maybe he didn't kill her before he went and picked up his sister. Like not fully. I mean, maybe 
he attacked her and she wasn't dead is what I should say. That's an interesting thing. Maybe he strangled her first and then he stabbed her later. Speculation. There's no, but yeah, of course it's all speculation, but (laughs) I'm, that is, you know, it might not be like the likeliest scenario, but we don't know for sure what happened because this guy obviously was not in his right mind anyway. So who knows what happened? And he was like kind of guarding the door the whole night. So although there was DNA on the jacket, which probably helped a lot, they probably could have said, oh, they live in the same house and it could have been from something else. You know, there's always a way to kind of argue that. So that was probably, I mean, as she said, it was, it was a problem. So the reason I thought it was interesting that um, Dr. Omelo, the um, pathologist, was sort of connected to this um, case so many years later is that he obviously is the one who brought to light that all these football players were suffering from CTE. And um, it makes me wonder if maybe Dawson had a head injury or something. If he played football all those years, you know, did he have schizophrenia? Did he have an undiagnosed head injury. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time. I mean, you see it in like, like the, the famous Chris Benoit case where, you know, TT and ended up murdering his entire family. Yeah. You know, like it happens. I wonder if he'll be someone that when he passes away, if they will check for that in his autopsy. I mean, I'm not wishing him dead, but yeah, but yeah, something that would, will stay to light as he, you know, moves on. Yeah, it yeah. just piqued my interest because I did notice that he used to play football. And then after, um, I mean, I always think of that when I think of football anyway, but um, that this doctor who is very famous for, you know, kind of disrupting the NFL with his findings. And um, I don't know, I just thought, hmm, I wonder if there's anything there, but I guess, you know, that's not something we can know. So a lot of the, um, deaths that were basically suspicious. Um, A lot of them were murders or like killings of people who um, it was completed by a police officer. So the pathologist would um, determine the cause of death, but the coroner in this case, which was the sheriff, would determine the manner of death. So he would determine if it was a homicide or not. So he had a lot of say um, as to what was considered, you know, an accidental death, homicide, things like that. So basically, many people were alleging that there was some sort of corruption going on. Maybe covering up for bad cops. Like, yeah, that's that's what the that's what they were alleging. So um, in 2018, after the two pathologists resigned, um, the county voted to replace the office of the coroner with a medical examiner's office run by a pathologist. And um, a new sheriff was elected in 2019. So Sheriff Steve Moore is not the sheriff anymore. Sheriff Steve no more? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's the case. So what did you guys think? Yeah, Olivia, you want to go first? This was great. I really thoroughly enjoyed this case. Um, I think there's just so many different avenues to it. Generally, I don't like cases where we don't have a true motive, but there's just, you can use your imagination in this one. And I think ultimately the court got it right. I'm going to pretty, pretty much say that he knew what he was doing. His mom wasn't a demon 
and he probably had some underlying mental illness and could he have had some CTE? Sure. Um, but I think ultimately the the right decision was made. What about you, John? Yeah, this is one of those ones. And I think we talk about it a lot when somebody takes a plea deal and doesn't like have to take the stand or testify and like that, where it is the, I want to know so bad. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to know exactly what happened. And with like with so many of these cases, you just have to reckon with the fact that like you may, you're not, you're just not, you're never going to know exactly what happened. And we can talk, you know, was it CT? Was she a demon? Was he, you know, was it fake Parkinson's disease? Was it schizophrenia? You know, it's all these things where, yeah, it could be this, it could be that. But the the crazy thing is you're just never going to know. And at the end of the day, a husband lost his wife, kids lost their mother. And it was all because there was a child who legitimately seemed to have some kind of mental illness. So I don't know. Also, as a parent, this is terrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, cause you're telling the story and I, in my head, I just imagined like a grown up Millie, just like pacing up and down the hallway. And I'm like, ah, no, you should got a little Michael Myers mask on. You better stop watching these scary movies with her. Then, John. Dude, fun fact. I have several pictures of her with a Michael Myers mask on. I will send them to you. Just so but, epic. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's just sad. It's a broken family and, and answers that you'll never get, you know, and these, these, I think these cases are always hard. It was super interesting and kept me like super engaged, but it's just like, you just want to know, you know what I mean? I don't know, Jess, if you felt the same way going through it or, you know, what you were left with at the end, but it's just like, man, I just want to know. I think basically it just boils down to one way or another, you're dealing with a person who is not thinking straight. Um, so whether that's someone who is just super angry and just can't control himself, or if we're talking about someone who's in a psychotic episode, you know, it's unknowable because we weren't there. The, you know, logic tends to, you know, sneak in for me where I'm like, you know what? I just don't think that he could be in the middle of an episode in the middle of a hallucination and then have a completely normal conversation with his sister and then say, Oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm not at home. Like he lied. And so he knew enough to do that. So I don't know that it was premeditated, but I do agree that there was malice. I don't think he never intended to hurt her. I don't think that it's logical to think that he had no idea what he was doing. And then when he came out of it, he was purposely keeping his sister away from the bedroom. I do wonder, you know, I do think it kind of comes into play with the mental illness where he's not thinking it all the way through. Like, obviously you're going to figure it out at some point. She's not coming out of her room. So there was not a full fledged thought out plan. Um, It was just like, let's stall this as much as possible So that is another thing, too, where it's like, would a logical person just not have an end game? You know, so it's it's tough because there's a lot of different factors. Yeah, I definitely agree with you where it's I don't know. It's like it's like you said, there's definitely anger. And I mean, I think the overkill just speaks to that, you know, being stabbed that many times and strangled. Like it definitely speaks to like an anger and this underlying like crazy violence and to know that that's coming from a family member, I think like makes it all that more, all the more chilling. You know what I mean? That like, yeah, 
somebody that you could bring into the world. And, you know, kind of like his father said, like she was, she was a giver. She gave and gave and gave. And for you to, to be a product of this person and take their life, I think is just super dark. So, but I mean, if we're talking dead bull test, cause I already know where I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'll go last. I already know where I'm going to put it. But if we're talking dead bull test, I mean, anyone go ahead, but where do you, where would you put it? I'm going to go with a nine and I don't really have a good solid reason as to why other than he killed his mother and he hid it from his family and the guy just needed some help. That's, that's all I got to really say about it. For me, it's probably an eight just because what he was doing was so creepy, like mental illness or not, just the things that he was doing were really like they, got under my skin that he was just like walking around at night, just randomly wearing a Halloween mask. Like that's not something I would be comfortable with someone doing in my house. And then I also, I just think back to the conversation that he was having with his sister and how he was like, Oh, you know, mom's on a diet and you know, she's really tired. And he's, he clearly had thought about it at least a little bit to kind of make up this story about why she would be tired. And then he's, you know, letting you go back to the house where she's dead in the room and you're knocking on the door and she's, you know, on the other side of it and you don't know that she's dead, like violently killed. So for me, I mean, I just, I hope that, you know, the rest of the family could like get some mental help themselves after this trauma. But yeah, to me, this isn't like an immediate threat. So I wouldn't put it at a 10, but the details really did creep me out. So I would say an eight. Yeah, I, I'm aligned with both of you. I think for me, this is going to be a nine. You know, I, I've got two things that really mess with me a lot. One is home invasion stuff. And the other is like your kid, this thing that you've made, like turning on you. Like, mm-hmm. b- b- like both of those are just terrifying to me. And so especially when we start getting into watching the horror films and like and getting this obsession. Again, I just think of like, you know, my little five year old. Like You're creating a monster. Yeah. You know, Um <laughs> But it's scary to think that, you know, someone that you love like that could have a rage inside like that, that could be directed towards you. Yeah. You know, and then again, like, you know, not only am I going to murder you, but I'm going to murder you and then just leave you in a bedroom and like, like almost like discarded, you know what I mean? So I don't know for me, this is coming in, this is coming in at nine for sure. I think we might switch to Christmas movies next Halloween season. Uh, (laughs) Maybe like. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I guess that's the argument, right? I've that's what it is. I don't think I've ever even seen Die Hard. I know I've seen it. I can't say the last time I've seen it all the way through. Regardless, this was a great case, Jessica, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I hate to say those things when it's such bad things happening, but you know our listeners get us now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was a really good case, and I love this new tradition that we have of you coming and hanging out with us. It's it's really it's really a cool thing. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I I really enjoy it. I look forward to it every October. It's, you know, this is my Halloween tradition. I hope to be doing it for many years, many years down the line. But I mean, that's where we are sitting on the deadbolt test. We got Jessica with an eight, Olivia and I both coming in at a nine, but we got to throw it out to the locksmiths listeners. 
Where does the murder of Kathleen McGeggy fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter, Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you. Spend a little bit of time with you. Jessica, before we get into, you know, the review that we do every episode, if people want to know more about you, your work, I've been, you know, I talk about it a lot, but if people want to follow what you do, what is the best way for them to do that? So the best way is to follow me on Instagram. Um, it's at writer Jessica Gomez. Um, you can go to my website if you want to. It's writerjessicagomez.com. Um, I do reviews um, somewhat regularly on allhorror.com. Um, but I do, I write other kinds of things too. So the best way is just follow me on Instagram. You Before can also we, buy The her Realist book. Pride on oh, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> buy that book because as someone who has planned a wedding, you want to talk about horror there's nothing harder than playing <laughs> wedding i wish i would have had that book when i planned mine i so. just love the two genres the wedding planning and then the horror critic well i think a bio on one of my sites that i wrote on was like i write about weddings parenthood and horror aren't they all the same <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it's funny yes yeah so we'll link that up you can check it out pick that up as well olivia jessica Going through this story, I definitely need a little bit of a pick-me-up, maybe a little bit of a treat after that trick. Olivia, do you have a five-star review for us this week? I do, and this week's review comes from Canada. We're going international again. Um, But they said, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm always trying to find new ones, but I give up on most of them after a couple of episodes. But Check the Locks is one that I'm always excited to listen to and I eagerly wait for the next episode. Keep them coming and thank you for keeping me entertained on long drives and workouts. So thank you, TayZ05 from Canada um, for listening to our podcast and writing us a review. We really, really appreciate it. Yes, Tay, thank you so much for taking the time to leave us that review. It's always nice to hear from our northern neighbors way up there. Jessica and I are both from Michigan, and I'm sure she spent as much time in Canada as as I have, but always great to hear from our friends in the north. And, you know, we talk about it every week, but these reviews, they really help us out. They help new people find the show, uh, get us in other shows, recommendations, and really help us to grow our community. So really appreciate you taking the time to leave that review for us. We would love to send you some international swag. Reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram, check the locks pod, Twitter, check the locks. If you're in our Facebook group, slide into our DMS, let us know, let us know where to send some stuff out. We will get it to you in the mail. And if you're not a social person, that is totally fine. Head over to check the Click the email button, send us an email, let us know where you are. We would be more than happy to get that out to you. And Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review, right on the podcast. What is the best way to do that? You need to go to the Apple podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll all the way down where you see all five stars, click all five stars, and then leave us a little bit of love and tell us what you think. That's right. And Olivia says it best. So I don't have to, especially not with this voice, but if you want a cheat code, you can go into the description of this episode. There's a link, hit it. It'll take you right to Apple podcast. You can leave that review. Also, if you listen on Spotify, you can leave comments on Spotify. So we would love to read those as well. And you can also leave a voicemail. We haven't had a voicemail since Kevin from Georgia left us that very interesting voicemail a few weeks ago. So go to the website, leave us a voicemail. They're my favorite. I love hearing our listeners voice and like getting to know them a little bit better. Leave us a voicemail. Yeah, that's checkthelockspod.com. Click that voicemail button. Send us a voicemail. We would love to hear it. 
And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks to get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of great benefits, exclusive stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all things you can only get for being a patron. Plus you get the episodes ad free and early. So if you love check the locks, but you hate commercials, then Patreon is the way to do it. So again, if you like what we do, you want to help us keep the lights on. That's patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. And if you cannot financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and sharing what we do with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're hanging out with us, you're listening, you're sending those links, letting people know to check it out. Just know that we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Again, that's how the show is going to grow, help new people find it. It's all about you sending those links and really just that grassroots growth. So again, if you're sending the link and sharing what we do, just know we appreciate you more than we could tell you. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with another truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to Check the Locks. See you next week. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.